Coming up on this week's episode of Alex's Fun Little Podcast, I have a formal apology to Michael, a daily dance song that you can do right in your seat, and a completely random topic that probably makes no sense, but we're going to do it anyway. Enjoy! Greetings. Hello, hello. Happy Wednesday. Hopefully it is a happy Wednesday. We are recording this on the eve of midterms, and I feel like I'm going to sleep on Christmas Eve with my fingers crossed that I get everything on my wish list, on my list to Santa, and I'm hoping the same thing for tomorrow. I hope everybody got out and voted and exercised their right to vote and their voices, and I'm sure we'll have stuff to talk about next week, but At the moment, like I said, it's the eve of midterms. We're actually recording this on a Monday night, uh, which was not intended. But then we realized that we have voting plans tomorrow morning and we'll not be able to record the episode. So Monday night it is. Michael and I are actually sitting here recording this episode in two matching robes. It looks kind of like the scene from a sitcom or something. It's, it's, It's a little bit bizarro, but here we are. We're getting the episode done. We have to do our song of the day, Daily Dance song. And this week it is Lean Back by the Terror Squad slash Fat Joe. I always thought that was, um, oh shoot, now I forget his name. Who's the guy that's in all the Fast and Furious? Ludacris. I thought that was Ludacris. You thought Lean Back was Ludacris? Maybe you're thinking of Move, bitch. It's a lot of movement. It's a lot of movement. Maybe I'm thinking of that one. Lean Back, Move, bitch, get out the way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Easy mistake. Easy mistake, Michael. I'm also very pleased that I could figure that out about you. That's what you were thinking of. Of course, this was a song I heard on Sirius Radio, Pop 2K, yet again, because I've been listening to nothing else but that in Midnight's, and I cannot come on here and give you a daily dance of a song from Midnight's every day, every week. But Lean Back really is an incredibly special song because it starts out in a really aggressive, kind of mean and unempathetic way of Fat Joe. Do you remember how it starts, Michael? Um, no, I can't say I do. Uh, yeah. I don't give a about your faults or mishaps. We from the Bronx, New York, things happen. Kids clapping, let us spark the place. The song starts like you're like, oh, lean back. This is going to be a dance hit. This is going to be a jam. I'm going to be on the dance floor leaning back. And Fat Joe just comes in hot. I don't give a fuck about your your faults or mishappens. We from the Bronx, New York, shit happens. Okay, I have to admit something. Up until this very moment, I thought the lyrics were, I don't give an F about your folks. Something happens, happens. Like saying like, I literally don't care if your parents died. Like, shit happens, which in my mind, growing up, I was like, no, it's not really shit happens. That's like a devastating, traumatic event. But it turns out, uh, breaking news, the lyrics are not that. It's not, I don't give an F about your folks. (laughs) Something happens, happens. It's, I don't give an F about your faults or mishappens. I feel like that was an easy mistake on my part to make. Um, That's less aggressive. But anyways, when you get to the chorus... We don't dance. We just pull up our pants and do the rockaway. Now lean back, lean back. It's such a simple, easy instruction. 
it's not like crank that when you've got to be doing all these different like movements or even like the Cupid shuffle. That's a lot for some people. Lean back is one simple movement. Pretty much everyone could do it. I am technically leaning back right now into this couch. I love this song. And Remy's on it with a little like cameo in the middle. It's just a wonderful song. I highly recommend leaning back this week. This song is also on the video game Need for Speed. Now I'm just remembering. That, is that why you're thinking of it? Yeah. Maybe Fast and Furious Need for Speed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In what context? I feel like that's kind of it's a bizarre like, song. It's like a theme song, like when you're in like the menu scrolling through stuff. It's just on. Is lean back? Yeah, I'm, I'm like 99 percent sure. With words? It might be like the like every, instrumental. No, it's it's like the in you know everybody version. Like they like blur out the oh the non the clean version. Yeah, the, clean, every, clean, <laughs> clean. Everybody, it's for everybody. It's clean. Speaking of rap songs and rap artists i would like to take this time to issue a formal apology to michael john Ayub. for what when this, this we will be good when i forget which episode it was but a couple episodes ago we were talking about lil wayne and you said i thought birdman was lil wayne's dad and i basically laughed you out of the room i shamed you on this podcast saying michael how could you ever think that how could you ever think that birdman is lil wayne's dad you're just thinking that because they have the song stunt like my daddy and he says daddy like lol michael you pop culture peon i found out this weekend that birdman is lil wayne's legal guardian it is his father by adoption so i was right so you were right oh my gosh i birdman adopted lil wayne when lil wayne was literally lil wayne he was 12 I, I was in shock when I found this out. And I'm sorry to you, Michael. I I laughed you off the microphone. I disregarded the fact. I just thought there was no way that that was correct. So it was in 1995 at the age of 12, Birdman signed Lil Wayne, Dwayne Michael Carter Jr. to Cash Money Records. I will be sure to fact check more often, Michael, and take your contributions to the pop culture conversation more seriously well thank you so much i literally am surprised as you are that i was right on something pop culture driven i i I really couldn't believe it but that's the truth birdman did adopt lil wayne love that let's get into this week's topic the topic came to me last week when essentially long story short but i'm going to tell the full story i ordered a pair of asics online they came i was like They're the same size as my Asics, but they're freaking huge. Like, it looks like I have clown feet. Turns out I ordered men's shoes on accident. But the clown feet thing made me recall an episode of Full House where Michelle has this dream where she's turned into a clown and her feet turned gigantic and it changed me. That episode changed me. And I am 31 years old now. I probably saw that for the first time when I was six. And no matter what's happened to me in life, I have not forgotten about that episode. So I was sitting, I was thinking, saying, what are the other things that have changed me as a human being that have altered the chemicals in my brain that are intertwined in who I am as a person? So today we are going to be talking about 10 moments that changed me. These are 10 random moments. They're not even in numerical order. Like this is not a ranking. This is just a list of when I sat down and really thought about it. These are 10 moments that changed me and probably in some ways made me who I am. They're not correlated. They're independent of each other. 
Some I really had to dig up from the depths of my soul. Let's get into it. Number 10, discovering Welch's sparkling grape juice. I would say I was about seven years old. It was New Year's Eve at home. Obviously, I couldn't have champagne. I was seven. And my mom busted out a bottle, a nice little green bottle of something called Welch's sparkling grape juice. And I think that's where the expression gone off the juice came from. Because Welch's grape juice, when that hits your esophagus, there's no way it can't change you. There's absolutely no way you're drinking Welch's sparkling grape and you're not getting turnt as a child or now. This is the kitty wine you're talking about. Yeah, kitty wine. Kitty wine. Yeah. Was that Welch's? I thought it was St. Julian. Some people had St. Julian. Some people had like Martinelli, Marinelli's or something like that. St. Julian. Yeah, but mine growing up was always Welch's. And that was fire. Fire. And it was only for like holidays. Yeah, it came out on special occasions. It was kitty wine. It was like when in any other scenario you'd be giving someone alcohol, you just subbed it with kitty wine with sparkling grape. Doesn't your family still drink this, Michael? I feel like I've seen this whipped out at a couple holidays yeah, recently. Yeah, I think, I think they do. And everyone is well <laughs> And they all age. get pumped about it. <laughs> we are all adults. There are no children left they in the family. They choose St. Julian over Kim Crawford. I don't know why you wouldn't, to be honest. Like, let's be, If we're being honest with ourselves, there's no way there's any wine that is comparable to the taste. I will say the last time I decided to dive into Welch's sparkling grape juice, it was at your parents' house, actually. I remember... My stomach was so extended for days, I thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I was so bloated and uncomfortable, but I think it was worth it. I think it was. It was. It's so delicious. It's crisp. It's not too sweet. It bubbles. It makes you feel fancy. I was gone off the kitty wine whenever I drank that. And it was probably just because of the sugar, but I have to imagine it has the same effects as for a loco, and I would like a study on that. But I didn't know that something could taste that good, could represent such celebratory moments. I remember on uh, New Year's Eve, Y2K, just popping bottles and bottles, sitting in my Gap striped sweater with my sister, we matched, and honestly, probably drinking straight out the bottle. Speaking of Lil Wayne, then pop bottles, pour it on the models. It all makes sense if we're talking about Welch's sparkling grape juice. I'll give you $20 the next time we are in a nice, fancy restaurant. If you ask for a glass of their finest sparkling grape. Done. Okay. You don't have to pay me. Do you think they'll have it? Probably. Do you know how much restaurants would profit if they did sell that? I think most do have like a sparkling non-alcoholic option. Just water usually, I feel like. Or like a Shirley Temple or like a soda. But come on, if you were out at dinner and you're like a bottle of white for me and my wife and a bottle of sparkling grape for the kids, please. You could charge just as much for a bottle of wine. And it teaches kids good table manners. I don't know. Kids in Europe start drinking when they're like 12. They know how to do this. Kids in America, that's probably why we go balls to the wall in college with drinking because we don't know how to handle ourselves. But if we were to give kids champagne glasses at restaurants with sparkling grape juice, I think we'd be better off. If I ever run for local office, we have to scrub this episode off the internet already because it sounds like I'm condoning letting kids drink when they are children. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying sparkling grape juice for all. It changed me. Thank you, Welch's. Number nine, water wigglers. What is a water wiggler? Michael, I had to look up the name because I just thought of it as slimy glitter tube, but I knew that wasn't the name. A water wiggler was that piece of plastic. It was like a, it was like a plastic jelly tube and inside was water and they'd put like sparkles in it. They would put little like, 
plastic beads in it and you would just squeeze it like in your hands. Don't you remember this thing? No, I really don't. Michael, I'm, lo- I'm looking at a picture for you. A water wiggler. Let me see the, uh, what their description is. It's a liquid-filled visual sensory tube that is hard to hold. Children love squishing and squeezing the water wiggle as the contents move inside. But yeah, watch I see out. It here. Give it a little squeeze and it might shoot right out of your hand. <laughs> water wigglers. This blew your mind blew as a child? my mind. It was a sensory experience like no other. And I know that wasn't just for me because I remember in elementary school, within like three days, they had to ban them from school because kids were bringing them to school. I accidentally exploded one on J.D. Dennison in the cafeteria. Or actually, now that I think about it, J.D. Dennison exploded it on me. He had my water wiggler that my mom just bought me. He was squeezing it, and he squeezed it all over me, and the glitter went everywhere, and then I think they banned them. But that experience still lives deep within my soul. There were other universes inside that water wiggler. When I looked at it, and I saw the glitter, and I saw the little little beads the little plastic stars or whatever they were in it little dolphins i remember one had those were it it was bigger than me whatever was in the water wiggler was bigger than me and that's how i knew i'm just a speck on this earth was a water wiggler aka squishy glitter tube oh and you could like stick your thumb in it oh those things were the the greatest thing i do see why schools had to ban them um full transparency they're almost a little bit too phallic in shape, and it really probably wasn't right. Enough said. I will not go any further. But thank you, Water Wigglers, for giving me the sensory experience of a lifetime. They still sell them. And this one is $17. What business does a plastic tube of water have being $17? It has a one-star review. It probably, we know why. It's no secret that I love fashion and I'm always looking for ways to feel and look my best. And I am so excited to introduce you guys to Supernatural. Supernatural is a multi-brand lingerie, loungewear, and swimwear boutique with stores in Birmingham, what up, 48009, and Los Angeles. I'm not sure of your zip code. Everything they have emphasizes exceptional design and ethical, sustainable production. Supernatural approaches lingerie not as some kind of costume for sex or for anybody else or as purely utilitarian garments but rather as a tool of self-expression to help you feel good about yourself and your body and add a little bit of everyday magic and luxury fine fabrics and sophisticated silhouettes as your first layer to any outfit can really set the tone for your entire day they have loungewear that elevates your home routines in elegant silks and cottons and even swimwear in classic silhouettes with a twist Actually made from ghost nuts that have been rescued from the ocean and repurposed into luxe bikinis and one pieces. They have a range of offerings from everyday basics to romantic styles to playful prints and bold colors. And even to more edgy bondage inspired styles. There's something for everyone and with sizes from extra extra small to 4XL. They're giving listeners actually an amazing discount. 20% off orders of full priced items using code FUNLITTLETREAT online or in store. Again, use code FUNLITTLETREAT for 20% off your order at SupernaturalLingerie.com or in-store. Dress to impress yourself. That, that one was from me, but it makes sense. Thank you, Supernatural. Number eight, people going in hot tubs in the winter. When I was in middle school, I remember it was the dead of winter 
probably January, tons of snow on the ground. And my sister announced that she was going over to a friend's house to go in their hot tub. And I was like, oh, cool. Is it in their basement? She's like, no, it's in their backyard. I was like, what the actual F are you talking about? How are you going to go in your bathing suit when it's 20 degrees outside and sit in a hot tub? Like, I, I truly didn't believe her. I thought she was lying to me. Sure enough, when my mom and I went to pick her up from a friend's house that night, she and all of her friends were sitting in a hot tub in the middle of the snow. And it looked like the most fun anybody's ever had in their entire life. It completely went over my head that sitting in the warm water with like a nice crisp breeze on your face would be enjoyable, like a la like a polar plunge moment. But I remember thinking to myself after seeing that anything is possible. Impossible is nothing. Now that I know that people are using hot tubs in the dead of winter and it became the pinnacle, the pinnacle of cool to me. Being like, oh, like we're just going over to so-and-so's house tonight to go in a hot tub. I've actually never done it. Nobody's ever invited me to do it. And guess what? Guess what my parents are building in their in their backyard? A hot tub. Who do you think's going in it in the winter? I am. And I will have finally, at 31 years old, have reached the pinnacle of cool. It's stuck with me all these years. Have you ever been in a, in a hot tub in the winter, Michael? I feel like you have. Sure. And you have too. No, I haven't. Yes, you have. I, I can remember the example. Where? Lake Tahoe last Thanksgiving with our friends Kim and Dan. Michael, you're so right. I know I am. I think I was really, really scared of bears that I kind of just uh, didn't process that that was happening to me. But you're so right. It was, That was Thanksgiving. There was snow on the ground. We were in the hot tub and I was scared of bears. Okay, then I've already done it. My parents can cancel the, cancel the order. Pave over it. Well, maybe this time you'll remember it. Mm-hmm. No, but thank you to our friends Kim and Dan. That was a rite of passage for me. And I thank you for giving me that moment. That you didn't remember. Now I do. Have you done it without me, though? Like, have you done it another time in your life? Yeah, my Uncle John had a hot tub growing up. Oh, so it was like an above ground one. But yeah, we went in that in the winter a few times. It was fun. So jealous. Yeah, was it like really like, oh my God, we're doing something crazy? Yeah, it did feel like a little like bad yeah like i don't know why it's so, <laughs> like not bad like you weren't allowed to but just like this i'm is so uh, like pole like opposite like, yeah water in the winter it's like, loopy it, it just seems weird yeah it is like you're doing something crazy i wanted that feeling yeah, that's fun almost reckless reckless that's what it is speaking of which number seven the green m&m let me explain the green m&m i took it off the list and then i decided to put it back on because i have to live my truth when the green Eminem came out. It was another moment of anything is possible because we have somehow taken a cartoon chocolate and made it sexy. It's literally wearing white go-go boots and flirting with the other animated chocolate characters. This is my truth. That green Eminem changed me. I remember having a green Eminem stuffed animal and being like, holy shit, this world is capable of doing anything and being anything. If we could sexualize an animated piece of chocolate, and still to this day, we are. However, in the last year, they desexualized the green M&M. I think they came to their senses and are like, what the actual hell are we doing? And they they did desexualize her. And basically, I did was take off like her her go-go boots. She's wearing sneakers now. And she doesn't have as, as big of lashes. She was de-yassified. The green M&M got de-yassified this year, but that doesn't take away her contributions to society and how it changed me again, where literally anything is possible. Nothing has to make sense because we made a chocolate 
animation, a sex icon. Number six, I think we're on six. My first hair wrap. Hair wraps took the world by storm in the early 2000s. I can't say I've seen them in recent years, but back then, if you went to Florida and you did not come back with a hair wrap, did you really even go to Florida? I can't imagine going to Florida now and being like, I got to seek out a hair wrap. I really got to seek out a hair wrap. And the craziest part about the hair wrap was that when you were done with the hair wrap, when your mom was finally like, you've got to take out these strings from your hair, you just had to cut off the piece of hair. Like we were more than willing to just cut off an entire piece of our hair in sacrifice to the hair wrap. But I remember I was, I was first, I was too young to get them. My sister would get them. And then finally one year, it was my year and I got it. And nothing had ever made me feel more rebellious, more cool girl than a hair wrap. We'd always go to the same place in Florida. I was like this little stand. It would take a while and I would agonize leading up to the trip. What colors are my hair wrap going to be? Because it has to match all my outfits when I come home. It has to look really cool. I can't mess this up because it's going to be in my hair for a couple weeks. Then the machines came out where you could do your own hair wrap at home and I don't know this information, but there's got to be a class, a class action lawsuit somewhere against the hair wrap at home machine. I've, now looking back on it, I've got to say like hair wraps were probably a bit of like, you know, just classic 90s cultural appropriation. But man, did those just take every person by storm coming back from spring break. It was just a flood of hair wraps. It was an accessory that you couldn't take off. So it was really important that you chose the right colors because it. It was the most permanent thing, you know, you could like do to yourself as a child. You couldn't get a tattoo. You, your ears, you know, not everybody was getting them pierced. Hair wraps. It was serious. It was monumental. Speaking of ears, we're in the top five. Great transition on my part. I didn't plan it. Number five, DW's ears turning green on Arthur. I was an Arthur girly. I still am. On occasion, when I'm in a depressive episode, I will see it on TV and I will put it on, aka last week. Arthur has never failed me. I absolutely loved, loved, loved that show. Even as adults, Michael and I went as DW and Arthur for Halloween. And now I'm seeing how that was kind of wrong of us to do, considering they are brother and sister. Did we ever think about that? Did we ever discuss, like, we're going as DW and Arthur and their brother and sister and we're like making out in the club? Did we consider the optics on that? I don't think so. I think we just threw the costumes together last minute. I, I mean, it wasn't really that last minute. You made ears from construction paper. Okay, it was 48 hours just last minute, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, we didn't really think about how that was going to look. Anyway, so DW wants her ears pierced so bad. There's a pair of earrings in there, and they're like orange, and they have these green like emeralds coming off of them. And DW's friends all start getting ears earrings and or like their ears pierced and dw really wants her ears pierced but i guess i have to rephrase this it's the ear piercing episode of arthur dw doesn't get hers pierced because she sees her friend emily who i think was a rabbit who knows why do i know this emily gets her ears pierced and they turn green that was the myth that your ears are going to turn green if you pierce your ears and you do not take care of them and i'm like okay sure well guess what happened to me I went behind my mom's back. I went to Limited 2 with my dad when he was in town. I said, oh, yeah. Mom said it's fine for me to get my ears pierced today. No problem. 
Definitely trust me. I'm eight. We go to limited two. I get my ears pierced by probably some 16 year old girl who had no, no business putting holes in my, in my earlobes. I get home. My mom is so mad, but she's like, whatever, what are we going to do? You're, they're pierced now. Flash forward to a few weeks. Something's wrong. My ears really hurt. They are turning another color. They're very red. All of a sudden, they're extremely swollen, and the little diamond rhinestone earrings from Limited 2 are, like, embedded into my ear. And no matter how hard we tried, my mom and I could not get them out of my ear. I had to go to a doctor. They had to remove them from my earlobe. And this all happened because I saw that episode of Arthur and was like, haha, I want to get my ears pierced too. There's no way anything's actually going to happen to them. This is just a children's cartoon. And then it did. I should have listened when Emily was like, oof, I had to take my earrings out because my ears are literally green. And then the same thing pretty much happened to me. And I ended up at the doctor and then I didn't get them pierced literally for probably another eight years. And that time I went to Claire's, you know, I was being more responsible, obviously. I've got to say, if any of our children ever want their ears pierced, I'm, I'm not putting their ears in Claire's in anywhere else. I'm just taking them to a tattoo shop. Those people know what they're doing. Your ears are not going to turn green. Claire's basically pierces your ears and sends you home with some watered down hydrogen peroxide. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Just rub this on your ears every night. Limited two probably didn't send me home with anything other than some limited two bucks and like a t-shirt with a cartoon dog on it. But that episode changed the trajectory of my life. Thank you, Arthur. Thank you, DW. Original girl boss. Original bad bitch. Number four, The Simple Life. I'm talking about The Simple Life, the TV show with Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton. That was my first real venture into reality TV, if you can even call it reality TV. I guess it was. That show became my entire personality, and I don't think I ever stopped, to be honest. If you're listening to this podcast and you're maybe of a younger generation, hi, I love you. Um, The Simple Life was a show that came out in 2003. It lasted for five seasons, and it was uh, Hilton heiress Paris Hilton and Lionel Richie's daughter, Nicole Richie, essentially going on this adventure of like living with farm families or kind of in more uh, like country towns and they couldn't have their credit cards. They couldn't have their, their cars, stay in nice hotels, nothing. The, the hijinks on that show, the sayings that came out of it, it was just perfect, perfect television that still to this day affects me probably on a day-to-day basis in, in some some way or another. I'm sure a lot of it was manufactured. A lot of it was fake. You don't have to tell me that. But it was the juiciest drama of my entire life when Paris Hilton and Nicole Richie were actually fighting. and But they were still doing The Simple Life. It was like a feud. Oh, gosh. It was, there was, there were simpler times for The Simple Life. The theme song was also about the two girls are filthy rich. No credit cards or shopping sprees. It's something like that. And by something like that, exactly like that, because I'll never forget. It was comedy at its best. And fun fact, Kesha was on that show. One of the families they go and stay with, it's Kesha's family. And now you better believe I will be finding a way to watch all five seasons. They've got to be somewhere. 
And if not, that's a crime against humanity. Number three, speaking of reality TV, pumpkin spitting on New York on Flavor of Love. I was watching a lot of reality shows that I probably shouldn't have been watching. But listen, my mom was at work in the summer. I mean, I was left up to my own devices with me and the television. And Flavor of Love was, again, peak reality television. And again, if you didn't watch it, it was a reality dating show where all these girls were vying to be Flava Flav's girlfriend. And when it got down to the finals, there was Pumpkin. He had to give all the girls nicknames, um, which was very normal and fine. There was Pumpkin and there was New York, a.k.a. Tiffany Pollard, who is still extremely famous, as she should be. But in one of the eliminations, Pumpkin gets eliminated. She exchanges words between her New York and she spits, like hawks a full loogie. You can see it flying through the air at New York. It was the spit seen and heard around the world. New York really got the last laugh, though, because obviously still incredibly famous, but she got her own reality show, and it was no longer Flavor of Love. It was all about I love New York. But on a summer afternoon, I was sitting at home when I probably should have been outside in in a pool riding my bike. I was sitting three inches from the television watching Flavor of Love, taking in pumpkin spitting on New York. And... I think I'm better because of it. Number two, the emergence of non-dairy milks. Had I heard of soy milk? Sure. Did it sound appetizing and delectable? No. But then came almond. Then came oat. Then came cashew. Now we have pistachio. Non-dairy milks, to me, are the... When I got colitis... They told me, hey, you can't be doing really dairy anymore. Like, you got to cut the dairy. And I was like, shoot, this sucks. I love milk. I was definitely one of those kids that came home every day and was chugging a big old glass of milk because that's apparently what children were supposed to be doing. That was the whole campaign. Got milk? Yeah, I do. They had my favorite celebrities and all the got milk campaigns. Milk had 90s kids in a absolute chokehold. And then as we got older, a lot of us became, you know, averse to dairy. It's like, what are we going to do without milk? And then came the nuts and we milked them and it changed me. Non-dairy milks, like the non-dairy milk section at the grocery store to me is like the Hermes of, of the grocery store. It's the chicest. It's the coolest. It's the most fun to look at. I always want to try something new. I'm like, ooh, there's a new brand. Gotta try it. Whether it's oat, almond, coconut, cashew, pistachio. I don't think anybody could have anticipated the impact non-dairy milks would have on millennials and, and Gen Z. There's hemp milk, hazelnut, flax. I could the whole episode could just be about milks, non-dairy milks. My favorite at the moment is almond milk. I feel like I went away from it. I spent a lot of time in the oat, a lot of time in the pistachio in the cashew, in the macadamia nut. And now I am back to good old tried and true almond milk. Michael, do you have a favorite kind of non-dairy milk? I go back and forth. I feel like almond was the original, and then we were really into oat milk for a while. Really into oat milk. 
And then you, for a minute, got me into soy, but now we just discovered, discovered that soy was sugary, so now I'm no, back to almond. Don't put misinformation out there. It was the soy milk from Starbucks that we found out. We were drinking soy milk lattes, and then we found out. We are like, well, these are too good. Like, And when it's too good to be true, sometimes it is. And the Starbucks soy milk had so many grams of sugar. It was ridiculous. But I'm sorry, Michael. Continue. I didn't mean to interrupt. Your favorite non-dairy. Um, so I would say that almond is my current favorite. Yep. It's tried and true. It's the OG. It was there for us when many of us realized, you know, we just we just can't mess around with cow's milk anymore. I wonder what happened to the Got Milk campaign. Because they were hot for a minute there. If you were a celebrity and they were not asking you to be in a Got Milk campaign, you were just not A-list. I mean, the Olsen twins were doing Got Milk ads. If I... I'm going to give a, a free idea out there. If anybody's working for any kind of milk alternative company, I would be running a campaign right now with one of the celebrities that was in a Got Milk campaign. And it would say, Got Milk? No, I don't. And then it would have like them drinking your non-dairy milk product. You're welcome. Go ahead. Like, imagine Harry Styles doing that now. It would, it would break the internet. That would make it to the list of things that changed me. Thank you to all the people who milked many different things and gave us life-changing alternatives. And finally, we are at the number one moment that changed me, even though, like I said, these were not in numerical order, uh, even though this does feel like one of the most impactful things in the last 10 years. The year is 2017. The moment, the Oscars Best Picture mix-up. I cannot express to you how much I love the Oscars. The Oscars is my Super Bowl. It is my championship game. It is my everything. I think it's because I was born on the night of the Oscars. And yes, I will bring that up every single time I bring up the Oscars. My mother was in labor with me while watching the Oscars, and then I was born. Coincidence? It's just not. So 2017 was a year filled with amazing, amazing films. And I was absolutely rooting for Moonlight. I thought it was the best picture of the year. La La Land, though, was winning a lot of awards. I'm like, it's just not best picture. It's a good movie, but it's not best picture. So they announced La La Land, and I'm like, oh, shoot. Like, that really sucks. I wish this didn't win. It should have been Moonlight. And I just remember seeing someone running behind the people that are accepting the award for La La Land. I'm like, something's awry. Something is wrong. It was probably a producer running around back there then all of a sudden the producer of la la land in like the middle of speeches goes i'm sorry there's a mistake moonlight you guys won best picture and the crowd you just hear the crowd going, what 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 i'm at home eyes bulging out of my head and he says this is not a joke they read the wrong thing he absolutely snatches the card out of warren Beatty's hands it gave me whiplash how quickly he snatched out of his hand. Shows the screen, moonlight. Everyone starts applauding. People are screaming. In my memory, they're screaming. At this point, I am running around my living room, launching myself from every elevated surface I can find. I am sprinting across the living room with my arms behind me for speed. I remember in that moment thinking, this is the biggest gaffe in, like, the biggest mistake in pop culture history. And I still kind of think that 
to this day. And it changed me in a way of like, everybody makes mistakes. And if I'm ever up for an award and they don't announce me, I'm going to give it like 30 seconds to a minute. Looking back on it, you could tell there was confusion from the moment they opened the envelope because essentially Beatty had been given the wrong envelope. On it, it said Emma Stone, La La Land. It was the best actress envelope, but Faye Dunaway looked at it. He like showed it to her. She kind of laughed and announced La La Land. But it didn't matter how it happened. What mattered is that I could see the chemicals in my brain being altered in that moment. Oh, and Moonlight, oh, the, the cast and the producers coming up to the stage to accept it. It was such a beautiful moment. And just like DW wanting to get her ears pierced, it changed me. As I preface, these moments had no rhyme or reason. There's probably a million more things that changed me. But when I sat down, I was like, you know what? This is a big week ahead. I want to do something light. I want to do something that feels very true to me. And there you have it. Ten moments that changed me. We all know I'm a big time beauty lover and I'm constantly trying out different products to see what works best. I'm a big time gloss girly. And for that, I love Lip Gloss Boss. Lip Gloss Boss makes uniquely mint infused glosses that are never sticky, always hydrating and made to last. The mint part is truly my favorite part because it's almost like chewing gum and wearing lip gloss, but you just have to wear lip gloss. They're perfect for long wear. Their magic wand glosses go on like a gloss and wear as a stain for long-lasting color and hydration. Balmy Gloss, my favorite, is the ultimate hybrid balm gloss combo. It locks in moisture while providing an ultra-glossy finish. Swipe it on lips for cooling hydration and high-impact shine, on eyelids for the perfect gloss lid look, and you can even put it on your cheekbones for a dewy highlight. We love a multitasker. Lip Gloss Boss creates the magic and you gloss it on. Side note, they also have these amazing trio packs. My favorite is the Magic Wand Gloss Trios. Great curated color packs. And especially great for gifting with the holiday season coming up on our heels. Get yours at lipglossboss.com and use code FUNLITTLEGLOSS for 20% off your order. And orders over $30 or more ship free. Again, use code FUNLITTLEGLOSS at lipglossboss.com for 20% off your order. Shop small, shop smart, and shop gloss. New tagline for the season. Love you, Lip Gloss Boss. This week's five-star hype up is a little bit different. This is actually a five-star review that I received in person. And I wanted to call special attention to it because it came from my mother-in-law. My mother-in-law keeps telling me how much she enjoys listening to the podcast, how it's become a weekly ritual for her. And she's not just doing it to be nice because she doesn't really have to listen to it, but she does. And I'm so grateful and so appreciative that she's enjoying it so much and has so many nice things to say about it. So let me say some nice things about you, Lynn. You are an excellent mother, an excellent mother-in-law. And you know the law because you were a bomb-ass lawyer for so many years and just retired. Congratulations. If I get like a parking ticket, um, I might need your help. Thank you. You are thoughtful and kind and compassionate and fun and incredible cook. And you really hold it down for your kids and your family. It's no surprise that Lynn rhymes with win because that's what you're doing. You are absolutely winning at life and all things that you do because you are so spectacular and so special. And I love you. 
Thank you for always making me feel like a five-star daughter-in-law. And thank you to everyone who has been leaving five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're going to get to hype ups for everyone. So please keep them coming. It helps the podcast get ranked in the app store. It helps the podcast get ranked in the podcast app and hopefully leads to someone buying it one day. And then I can record the podcast from like an island or something, or at least get myself like a, a comfier chair. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode maybe changed you and is one of your 10 reasons. Love you so much. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.